streets of Cincinnati, welcome to the jungle! What's going on? Welcome to the show. This is Sports with Strawberry Ice. I'm your host, the Iceman, Jeff Trenopole. And as always, I'm bringing you sports from a west side point of view right here in the great city of Cincinnati, Ohio, home of Jackpot Joey Burrow and the first place Cincinnati Bengals. Now, do me a favor. If you found the show, hit that like and subscribe button. Smash that thumbs up. I'm up to 1,374 subscribers. That is awesome. I appreciate every single one of you. Also, if you're following me on Facebook, which I have 1,500 followers on Facebook now, which is awesome. I appreciate every single one of you guys. And you have not subscribed to my channel, please go to the YouTube channel, Sports Strawberry Ice. Hit the subscription button. Hit the bell for the notifications. And every time I go live... Like tomorrow might be earlier than I normally do. And Thursday is going to be live from 
tailgating down there at the Jackpot Joey uh, tailgate. So that might be earlier, just to give you a heads up. So you make sure you subscribe and you know when I go live. Also, exclusively in the super in the uh, YouTube chats, we're doing super chats. So if you like to support what I'm doing, I would greatly appreciate it. Now I'm coming to you live from the Ice Cave. And the Ice Cave is brought to you by T Properties. T Properties, quality housing for quality people. Check out their website at www.tpropertiesllc.com for all your rental property management needs and your rental needs. All right, this is going to be a short week. Thursday night football. The jungle better be sold out. I'm going to find out if it is. I'm going to the main woman down there at PBS. She's none other than Emily Parker. Emily, what's going on? Not much. It's a busy week, like you mentioned, but it's exciting stuff. Exactly. I'm Emily. I'm. I was talking to you last week. I'm so fired up. I cannot believe. Well, I can't believe we beat the Squealers, but the way we beat them was awesome. I can't wait to get to Thursday night. Like I said before, I brought you in. How close are we to selling out? Do you know? Is it going to be a sellout? Are we close? What's going on? Yeah, the ticket interest has been huge, especially coming off of a big win. And so we've got a lot of momentum. We are not quite sold out yet, but we've already sold more tickets than we did for the Minnesota game. So it's going to be a bigger crowd than what we had week one, which was a great crowd. The crowd impacted the game and they were a huge part about it. And I was talking to to Zach Taylor not too long ago, and he wants to stress how important the fans are. And so if you haven't gotten your tickets yet, there are still tickets available because we do want to get that jungle completely packed and really help make a difference in the game, but also celebrate the ring of honor. So it's a fun night and it's in prime time and, you know, let's showcase everything we've got. Absolutely. As you see, I got my uh, ring of honor shirt on that i uh i gotta quit going to the pro shop every time i go to pro shop i end up buying something but <laughs> yep. but I, I love going down there um but let's get to what is happening thursday night and this is what i got from uh since i'm a season ticket holder uh it says the garage is open up two o'clock lots one a b e hilltop open at 420 jungle zone opens up at six opens up at 620 gates open up at 650 warm up 652 jungle zone closes at 750 player introduction 810 national anthem rural of the jungle kickoff 822 i'm ready to go <laughs> yeah and the cool thing is uh the rule of the jungle is going to be uh anthony munoz ken rally uh the second and ken anderson am i right on that Absolutely. So it'll be the first time we have three rulers of the jungle and it's just another way to really celebrate the ring of honor class. And, you know, we wanted to highlight the former players that were going in to this inaugural class. And so I think that stadium is going to be really loud as they lead the jungle in the Hootay chant. Absolutely. Cause like, like you said, it, it wasn't, it wasn't full. <laughs> Let's be honest against Minnesota. And there were a lot more Viking fans there than I really wanted to admit, but we were louder than they were. And we helped get the false starts. So if we get this place full, which is what I want, there's no, and that's where I'm at, Emily. I'm like, I don't understand why it's not sold out because all the fans all wanted the Ring of Honor. They wanted us to honor our former team. We're honoring the 81 Super Bowl team at halftime. We're doing, you guys are doing all this stuff. You're doing the rule of the jungle. You got the cool in- intro with the players running out of the tunnel with the Bengals and the smoke and all that stuff. Sell it out. I'm like, come on. It's so much fun down there. 
Yeah, and I mean, there's been such an emphasis this offseason on enhancing the game day experience. And so I think that that's another thing. We really want people to want to come to the games in person and experience it. We know, obviously, with television, there's a lot of exciting ways to watch things at home. But we really want people to come, be part of a community, and really make an impact, show our players that support. They feed off of the energy in the crowd. And so, you know, hopefully we've done a lot to kind of enhance that game day experience to make people want to come down. And, you know, while we get to that actual sellout level, we'll see, but regardless, it's going to be a great crowd and we appreciate everybody that's coming on Thursday night. Exactly. It's going to be a, a lot of fun and just, I'm going to record the show because I'm very interested in seeing the interview that Joe Burrow, Jack by Joey Burrow did with Boomer Esiason. I think he did it back in July and that's for, for Thursday night. Were you anywhere around there when they were doing that interview? Yeah, so it's a different style of interview. It's part of their uh, generational series where they have a current player talk with a former player. And so they watch plays of each other and kind of, you know, some plays that Boomer did back in the day, some plays that Joe did, and just kind of have a conversation. And there's some fun elements uh, to it as well. Uh, just as a little bit of a tease, just because I had to get Joe's permission to use it. Uh, they looked at one of the commercials each of them had done. And so for Joe, it was a Nerf commercial and yes. I, Boomer Esiason's was another funny one. And so it's a <laughs> playful interview with a lot of energy and personality. So um, it's a little different than a traditional X's and O's game preview. So I'm excited to see it. I've seen clips of it, but I haven't seen the whole thing yet. Yeah, absolutely. Like I said, I'll be in the jungle, so I'm going to record it so I can I can watch it. But yeah, I do. The only only commercial I know Joe's been in is that that Nerf commercial. I know <laughs> all of us Bengals fans want to get him in the the Heisman house, but uh, <laughs> I think he's more he's more worried about winning football games than getting into uh, commercials right now. But um, with the rule of the jungle, Ring of Honor, eighty one uh, team that is is the Ring of Honor is happening at halftime, right? Yep. And, then, and so the um, the halftime ceremony it will include. Uh, I think it's about a four minute video tribute. Uh, we'll have a longer version of that. I haven't seen it yet, but I've heard great things about it. That's roughly 17 minutes that Jeff Hobson helped write the script for that really goes into the history and the, the impact that the four members of the ring of honor had on the franchise. And uh, there'll be a, uh, the unveiling of the names, the names mm -hmm. are up, they're covered right now. And so we'll officially unveil them at halftime and then a special jacket presentation. And so um, Ooh, Elizabeth an orange, Blackburn an, an orange jacket? <laughs> I can't give any details. Elizabeth Blackburn and Caroline Blackburn were involved. We worked with a local company called Pursuit um, to help design the jacket. And so the Ring of Honor um, inductees, they've been fitted for the jacket, but they haven't even seen it yet. So uh, the jacket will, everybody will get to see it for the first time at that halftime ceremony. And so that'll be another special moment. Very, very cool. Now you're now also you're doing the uh, eight, the eighty one team as well during halftime. Is that that true? That's all happening at the same time. So it's not going to be during halftime. It's going to be they're going to be recognized uh, during a break during the game. I think. Okay. It, so I think right now it might be slated in the second quarter. It's kind of floated. So I think it'll be sometime in the first half. And we have nearly forty members of that eighty one team. Wow. And obviously, there's a lot of overlap with the the Ring of Honor inductees with mm -hmm. the people who are nominees for the Ring of Honor. Um, and so there's going to be nearly 40 members of the 81 team will be here to be honored for that 40th anniversary. That sounds awesome. That sounds like I'm not leaving my seat at all. I'm just going to stay there the whole time. Exactly. <laughs> which, which is, and that's just it between the action on the field and then all of the, the extra things, there's going to be a lot of reasons to stay in the seats for this game. Yeah, exactly. And, and uh, we have also, 
You got uh, Zim Hude coming, and and Ace is coming, and Joe Goodberry's coming, and the boys from Locked On Bengals are going to be there. So they're they got their own session now. I don't know if you know uh, what uh, Zim has tried to, to to get here for kind of a fun thing for us fans to do is to try wear the Zuba pants. You know what those are? The crazy striped ones. Uh huh. So that that's what I'll be I'll be wearing those with my orange hair and and my and my my cape here. So I'll, I'll definitely be standing out. You'll be able to see see me. But uh, I I can't wait for tonight. This is. This is, I've said it before, I can't say it enough, this is what Bengals fans have been wanting, you know, and it's so cool that we're finally going to, to have it, and it's on national TV, and after we beat the Squealers, and the cool thing is the national narrative is starting to change a little bit. They're like, ooh, maybe the Bengals aren't that bad. We're like, and I'm like, I know, I've been saying this all year. I don't think they're going to be that bad. I'm like, like I said, I got orange sunglasses, so I mean, I, I look through those a lot, but I, I said 11 and, and 5 is what I've said. And right now I'm on I'm on pace. I said we start out three and one, so I'm I'm doing pretty good. Knock on wood. So, all right, we got the Ring of Honor, we got the eighty one, we got the um, uh, the the rule of the jungle. Is there anything else that 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 any other surprises we might be looking for? Should we the fans get in there as early as they can? Yeah, I mean, I think we obviously always encourage fans to get in early because I think there's more, especially as we talk about the game day environment of it kind of starts about 20 minutes before the game starts with various hype videos. And then you roll into the player introductions and all of the things between the national anthem and the coin toss and the ruler of the jungle. So it really starts about 20 minutes before kickoff is when that kind of hype builds. And so Mm -hmm. getting in early, will make sure that you don't miss a minute of it. Uh, We are going to have extra things to kind of try and get fans into the stadium quickly this game because we know there's going to be a big crowd. So we are going to have more people scanning tickets to to try and move people in faster um, just in case because we know some people do like to tailgate up until the last minute. So um, we're going to do our part to try and get them into the stadium um, in a timely manner. But we always recommend getting there early just to make sure you don't miss anything since it is going to be a very special game this year. Exactly. Yeah, I was driving around the stadium today because me and uh, Matty Myers had to make sure we, we gave some more uh, Bengal players a uh, jackpot hat. So CJ got his and I love it that uh, Uno was wearing his at practice today. So that was cool. But uh, just drive around the stadium. I see all, all you already got the metal uh, uh, barriers up for, for uh, well, to get fans in faster. I mean, because there's gonna be a lot of people there and, 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 and just the turnstiles and everything. People don't like that. But you guys are getting set up. They got the rule of the jungle set up. I saw all the the palm trees or the apple plants or what or banana plants or whatever those things are. It looks really, really cool. I, I like what you guys have done with the, the stadium itself. And I love where the players walk out to go to practice the, the big concrete wall there, the big orange sign that says uh, rule the jungle or welcome to the rule of jungle. I think is what it says, but yeah, that, that is cool. There's the stuff you guys have done. I, I'm, I don't know what, what fans could complain about as far as the, the job that you guys have done, to make this a more of a fun environment and it's going to be a celebration Thursday night. And we're here to celebrate our team and our history and, and that's it. And, and just have a lot of fun. And I I'm, I'm here for that. And with tell, tell me a little bit about the, the uh, jungle zone. Cause that, that's a new thing I think you have this year too, right? Yeah. So the jungle zone is located over at the icon music center, right across from Paul Brown stadium. And it really over there, it's a great setup because there's opportunity to kind of, have more space and spread out than when we were on the plaza previously. And so they have inflatables with like um, games that you could play like a, a football toss. They have cornhole. There'll be a DJ. 
uh, NFL Network. We were talking with them because obviously they're doing a lot to broadcast the game. And so I think they were they're planning to put one of their crews over in the jungle zone just to showcase all the fans that are over there. So it's a great opportunity for people that may not have a tailgate or may be Ubering down to the game and looking for a place to go. There's food, there's drinks, there's music, there's games. Uh, so it should be a, a great pregame hype zone uh, before walking over to the game. Yeah, exactly. Like I said, it's just going to be a, a big old party, a big old who day celebration party. It's going to be a blast. I guess I'm getting down there about three o'clock. So. <laughs> I know. I was curious what time we'll start to see people in the banks. And it's great with Dora now. There's so much, you know, people can walk around. The weather looks like it's going to be spectacular. Mm -hmm. So it, it's all coming together and it should just be a fun day all around to, to really build to the excitement for that night. Yeah, and, and and you're debuting the all orange uniforms uh, Thursday night. If I'm, so, I'm correct on that, right? So it's orange jerseys, then it's the white pants with the orange stripes, and then they'll wear orange socks. Ah, so, there you go. Yeah, that's right. We don't have players, orange pants. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. The players, the players care about the socks. That's one of the things that I that I have picked up on, and so uh, we do get their input for which <laughs> socks we wear each week. Ah, uh, so they voted on. It. I had to be make sure it's the orange socks. Huh? That's yes. that's cool. Yes. <laughs> Well, like I said, you guys are listening to everybody, listening to the fans, you're listening to the players. I mean, hey, that's that's awesome. So when it's game day and it's the game starts and all the festivities and everything, well, there'll be you got more at halftime, but you know, the game starts. Where does Emily watch the game at? Where 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 are you usually at watching the game? Yeah, so for road games, I'm down on the field and I serve as our PR rep down on the field, uh liaison. I'm the liaison for the sideline reporter, handle any injury reports, uh, help the sideline reporter get our head coach at halftime to talk to him for a couple of minutes. For home games, our um, part-time interns serve in that capacity, so it allows me to be a little bit more of a floater. And so that's exactly what I'm going to be doing this game because there's going to be a lot of different elements um, that I'm going to be helping to coordinate. So for a traditional one o'clock game, I sit up in the press box for the most part and then post game, then help to coordinate post game interviews um, in both the on the field setting as well as the news conference setting. But for a game like this, I am definitely going to be wearing my my walking shoes uh, because I will be going back and forth between here and the Icon Center um, and down upstairs and downstairs and all over the place. Um, so it should be a fun day, but I bet you all get more than 10,000 steps and that's for sure. Yeah, exactly. That that's exactly what I say when I when I go down there to go tailgate because I'll start start at Jackpot Joey, then I go down to the Bengals squad, Bengals bomb squad, then I'll end up over at Bengal Gyms, and then I go into the stadium. And that's what I always say. If you want to hang out with me, you gotta have your walking shoes on because I'm walking walking around everywhere. Now, speaking of, of you being on the field, the Mike Hilton mic'd up uh episode. Pretty sure I saw you on there. What wasn't that you? Oh yeah, I made a cameo there at the end. Um I Yep. I was like, am I half running, half walking? I'm not You're quite like, wait, sure. Wait, come doing. back. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, I wasn't even doing anything with Mike at that point. I think it was at the time when I was trying to coordinate Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase, because each of them had a post-game interview and trying to get them in the right spots. And Mike was coming off at that moment as I was being caught running in between. So, <laughs> yep. Uh, but you can see how excited I am after a game. I mean, when Burrow walked off the field after week one, I was in the background of that video too. And um, I, I grew up a fan of the Bengals, so I enjoy winning and rooting for this team as much as anyone. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, I remember watching that, that video and I, I'm the tunnel, I'm, that's my seats are right there. And Joe Burrow throwing the towel up to that, that little kid. And mm -hmm. 
I'm 47 years old. I would have had the same reaction if you threw it to me. I'm like, oh my God, I got Joe Maurer's towel. Like, this is so cool. That kid, his reaction was just pure joy. And that's that's what football is about, is it brings so many people together. And just to see some, a moment like that, um, it was, it was, I was so glad we captured that moment because yes. that's something that that kid will always remember. And now not only does he have the memories in his mind, he actually has video proof that it is, in fact, Joe Burr's uh, towel. Yeah, yeah. And that people are, are commenting in the chat to, to sign Jesse Bates. Emily has nothing to do with that. So <laughs> she, she would probably agree with us, but she has nothing to do with signing Jesse Bates. So we can bring that up all we want, but she doesn't have anything to do with it. So <laughs> anyway, she gets to do the, the, the fun, well, fun part, but it's a lot of work what you do. I mean, just, I mean, because uh, last week when I saw you out there, you were trying to get Trey Hendrickson off the practice field because she had to go do an interview or something. You're like, well, he's supposed to start already, but they're still practicing. Okay. So every time I see you, you're always running somewhere to go get somebody or get, get them to go do this or get them to go do that or something. So I think you get a lot of steps in normally in your job. Yeah. And today, especially with it being a different schedule and a short week, we had to condense a lot into Monday, Tuesday and Wednesday. So calendar reminders are my my lifeline right now. And then also like today, basically between Three o'clock and four thirty. I we did something. We had to do two things with Joe Burrow. Did something with Mike Hilton. Something with Tyler Boyd. And three things with Jamar Chase. So it was uh, a busy hour and a half trying to coordinate when they also needed to um, eat and get ready for meetings. So it's like you're trying to keep track of all of them. Uh, but it's it's fun. And you know, part of the reason why tonight worked is we're practicing at 6.30. So have a little bit of downtime before we get in an evening practice to, to kind of help give them that feel of you know playing at night uh, in preparation for Thursday night football. Yeah, I know. I was down there earlier today and I was on the bridge and they were just basically just doing a walkthrough. But uh, Royal Flush Cherry wants to know, he says, Emily, do you get an off season? <laughs> Not really. Um, so the crazy thing about the NFL is it really is a 365-day job. There's a couple of slower times in, uh, call it mid-February, and in mid-June to mid-July are our slower periods. But other than that, there's free agency, there's the combine, there's the draft, the players report in April. And whenever the players are around, there's things going on. And now, especially as we've moved into a, a 17 game schedule, right. you know, we go another week further in January. We obviously have ambitions to play further in January, all the way to mid February. So, um, especially this off season, because we did so many initiatives with the new uniforms and the ring of honor and the game days and all the new traditions. It has been busy, but you know, it's also fun and exciting. It's good when we've got lots of things to talk about. And, and so um, I will say, I don't get much time off, but we will get a little downtime on uh, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday this weekend. So I will definitely enjoy that. You're a crash. <laughs> you're like, like th a Thursday night. I, I think when you get home, you're just like, I'm dead. <laughs> like Thursday, because we work, my work in essence starts as soon as the game ends. So we're here right. several hours after the game ends. And so I'll get in probably around 11 on Thursday. We'll be here, you know, well past midnight. Um, and then hopefully Friday, you know, we'll, we'll do a couple of interviews with players and with Zach. Um, but it should be a quieter day and then, um, should be able to enjoy Saturday and Sunday. There you go. Yeah. Jeff Holmes says, uh, you should get a, 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 kept, a step counter 
<laughs> if you I know, thank God for the Apple watches. The hardest <laughs> part, another just random fact is when I'm on the sidelines. So when I'm on away games, you're not allowed to wear your Apple watches because you they're not allowed to have any recording devices oh, in the bench area. Right. So those games I always hate because I always feel like, you know, my body, I'm always like, God, how many steps did I do today? And I can't <laughs> tell because I don't have my Apple watch on for road right. games. So, right. um, yeah, that. but yes, steps this time of year. And actually training camp's the busiest time. I get the most steps in during training camp. While you're constantly walking from your office probably mm -hmm. down to the practice field and back and forth. Because, I, I mean, I saw, you know, I was up the crazy guy. I'm up there on the bridge, and I saw you walking around the field the whole time. I'm like, does she ever stop? Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, comes yeah. off. I'm like, Emily! I'm, like, <laughs> I'm on the bridge. It's too far away. But, uh, Emily, I, I appreciate you coming on. I can't wait till Thursday. I hope we sell this out. We, sh I, we should sell it out. But either way, it's going to be an absolute blast. And I always appreciate you coming on and, and talking to me when – I'm down at the stadium and it, you, you're just awesome. <laughs> and I'll just give one last plug for anybody looking for a place to hang out tomorrow night. The Bengals radio yes. network will mm -hmm. be at the Holy Grail from six to eight. And Ken Anderson will be there from six to seven. And then the Locked On guys are also going to be at the Blind Pig starting at 7. And then Ace and Zim, they have their info on their Twitter pages, but they're also out in Loveland. So there's going to be three different spots that Bengals fans can come hang out and really just start to celebrate um, leading into Thursday. Yeah, Ace and Zim are going to be at uh, Midwest Barbecue. I'm planning on going down to the Holy Grail. And that's – if I get permission, well, I got to talk – I got to talk – trying to get a hold of the owner. I'm talking about doing my show down there before the lock or not before, before, uh, Bengals, Dan. Bengals. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. I gotta, I gotta find out if that's okay first. That's why I tell everybody to, you know, do the live or do the subscription. Cause yeah. it might be at four o'clock tomorrow. I don't know, but we'll <laughs> yeah, see no, it's, it should be fun. We'll be out. I'm planning to go to both, uh, the Holy grail and blind pig tomorrow. So looking forward to seeing a bunch of Bengals fans out. Well, I would definitely be at the Holy grail. Blind pig, I can't because I have to go to work. Unfortunately, <laughs> I'm taking Friday off. I got to be at work at like two o'clock in the morning, so yeah, I can't stay out too too late. So I will definitely be down at at the Holy Grail. So definitely say hi when you see me. Yep, yeah, perfect. Sounds good. See you All then. Right. All right, Emily. Who day? All right. See ya. See ya. All right. I hope you guys like that as much as I do because I she's awesome. I Man, she's so much fun to talk to. She works her butt off for just you know getting the, the word out with the Bengals and. And what they got going on the Ring of Honor and and Ken Anderson, Ken Riley, the 81 team. And we're two and one. That's awesome. We are a winning football team. Hopefully we'll be three and one after Thursday night. Now, let's get to our other winning team, which they are. But they're not going to the playoffs. Well, unless a miracle happens. Let's get to my guest and we can discuss all this. He's no other than... Jeff Carr from Locked On Reds. Jeff, what's going on, brother? Strawberry Ice, how you doing, man? Good, man. Just enjoy. I'm excited. I'm very excited about the Bengals, obviously. Um, but oh, yeah. we got to talk about the Reds here. And, and people keep asking me, do the Reds still have a chance? Do the Reds still have a chance? I'm like, mathematically, yes. If the Cardinals lose every freaking game and we win all of them, sure. But they just won 16 in a row, so I don't think the Tweety Birds are gonna gonna lose anytime soon. Well, and it's it's like when you ask, is there a chance for the asteroid to hit the Earth? Yeah, sure, there <laughs> is. But right. you know, at some point, you got to realize it might not happen for a long time. And I think we are now firmly looking ahead to next season. So, looking firmly ahead to next season, 
what are your thoughts on what are they going to do? Is Hunter Green going to be up here at the beginning of the season? Is Nick Lodolo going to be? Are they going to trade Sonny Gray? Are they going to resign Nick Cassianos? Or are they just not going to do anything like they did last year? <laughs> Unfortunately, it feels like they probably have a better shot at doing nothing, right? It, it, it sucks to say that, but they were telling us uh, all off season and at the beginning of this season, like, Hey, our finances are a train wreck, right? That was a direct quote from Phil Castellini. And so it makes you wonder how are they going to move this off season? Because they're probably going to lose Nick Castellanos. Like just, just mark it down right now. He's going to use that opt out. Like it uh -huh. makes no sense personally for him to not use it. And I, I totally understand it from his perspective. And when the Reds gave him two opt-outs, I think we all kind of penciled that second opt-out in as happening, right. like unless he just had two really bad years. But he was in the MVP conversation for a while this season. Oh, he's had a great so, year this year. <laughs> oh, man. Probably the best year of his career. I haven't, like, sat down and dissected the numbers yet, but right. we will here soon uh but yeah he's probably gone uh you're talking about the team options for tucker barnhart and wade miley you've got michael lorenzen who's becoming a free agent and yes you do have some young guys who honestly i if if i were to run in the team which i'm not but if i were uh hunter green and nick Ladello would be up day one next year mm -hmm. i understood right. why they weren't up this year i i right. got it but mm -hmm. I feel like if they're going to bring their best guys into the season next year, they're going to be up. So with that being said, I still think you got to pick up that option for Wade Miley because we've seen the volatility of the health of starting pitchers. And I don't necessarily think that's going to be just finite to this year. I think that's something that's going to carry over next year. So yes, I, I, I think that, they have a laundry list, and we've been talking about this, kind of getting it set up on Lockdown Reds as to what that list looks like. Right. But the biggest question for all of it is, will they do any of it? And it's hard to say definitively yes or no. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean I'm sorry, but I, I'm leaning more toward no. They won't do any any of it. They'll let everybody leave, and and Hunter Green and Nick Lodolo will be up here, which is good, but if you don't have – uh, Wade Miley, you don't have Tucker Barnhart, you don't have Nick Castellanos. Those are three of our most consistent players this year. I mean, let, let's be honest. I mean, Wade Miley has been our, our best pitcher, most consistent pitcher all year. Yep. I mean, and, and the funny thing is, at the beginning of the, the season, I'm like, I don't even know if I want him in the rotation because of the way what happened last year. By God, I'm glad I was wrong because it wasn't for him. Who knows where we'd be at? And right. you still got the, the bullpen, which yeah, they made a trade. It's uh, about, about that's about it. So you know, they got to 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 compete. They got to do something. But it's still it's not a lot. That's what drives me nuts because we still even if we don't sign the Castellanos, we still can put together a competitive team. I think. Right. I believe so too, and I think that especially, I mean, not knowing exactly what the options are going to look like right now, but I think that there will be options out there on the open market. Uh, you'll, you'll probably have a chance to sign a backup catcher or something like that as well. 
and looking at the bullpen, like Kenny mentioned, they made trades, but they already gave away. So they basically gave away three last offseason and traded for two back. Right. Not as if not, not like in three actual relievers, but like quality wise. Like right. I love Luis Sessa. I'm very excited to see what he's going to bring to the table. But Justin Wilson's kind of a toss up in most days. And Michael Givens is gone at the end of the year. And I don't see them bringing him back. I mean, he's probably going to get maybe i don't know if it's archie bradley money but you know you can envision him getting three or four million and well, probably they didn't, they didn't resign yeah. archie bradley so why would they resign givens exactly <laughs> so <laughs> you look at stuff like that and i hate this because Me i mean too. we're com i'm coming on after emily she's all excited you're excited i'm excited i'm a Bengals fan you know yeah. we're pumped yeah. about and this I, and now it gets to the reds it's like eh. <laughs> it's like here we go and yeah. that's the thing too like if i'm ownership I got to understand that the fan base is volatile right now. The fan base understands that they have been put through the ringer the last six, seven years and asked to wait. So we did, we were there. We followed the team. We're right with them. And now I don't know what the messaging is. Like, I think every single fan who is kind of put out with this team has a total right to be so. Yeah, exactly. Now get the uh, question here from Terry. He said, how much, was Sonny asked for ball ballpark figure? <laughs> well, and the good news is Sonny, I mean, Sonny's got one more year on his contract, mm -hmm. which I wonder, and that's something that we'll probably surmise about a little bit during the off season is what are the chances that the Reds deal him? I, I know that they might. Yeah. Yeah. I, I know that there were rumors this past off season that mm -hmm. they were uh, at least talking to other teams about it. And they just weren't getting the correct, uh, you know, quality or number of players or something like that back so that wasn't that wasn't ever going to happen but right. they were talking about it so with him coming up on his contract year i'm not sure what he's going to ask for is interesting because i believe that he has played very well the only thing is he's played very well when he's healthy and right. we've gone through this rigmarole before with many players on many different cincinnati sports teams it doesn't matter how good you are if you're not on the field and whenever he was on the field this year, pretty good. I mean, he's right. and he's put, yeah, he put together a lot, a good last couple of months, but it's now, you know, well, we, you got that back issue that according to the reports earlier this season, it's never going to go away. It's always going to be something he deals with. So then that brings about other stuff. Like how does he compensate? I know he had problems with his knee earlier this year. Uh, what all does that mean going forward? So it's going to be interesting to see just from his standpoint, what the reds do. Now, the, the thing that is concerning to me too, is the front office guys that are just quitting. <laughs> I mean, it started yeah. with, 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 uh, with, uh, I was going to say Dick Hauser. It's not the, the GM from last year. Um, Dick Williams, Dick Williams. Thank you. So I show my age. I say Dick Hauser, but Dick Williams <laughs> just quit. I mean, you know, he just didn't go to another team. He just quit. And then they had the the uh, the scout that drove Jesse Winker all the way up from Louisville, and then he quit. Yep. And uh, his name escapes my mind, my memory. Eric Lee. Thank you. Yeah. yeah, and that those are guys that set this franchise up to have the success. And we've had success the last two years to have that success. And they, they set up to have success moving forward. But it's just kind of like, the ownership is just kind of going, eh, we're not going to do that anymore. 
yeah, yeah. we're just gonna we're not gonna spend any more money. Like, all these plans we had, you know, they planned to sell out for you know, we're gonna suck for five years and then we're gonna start winning. Well, we won for two. That's enough. I was like, yeah. what? Yeah. I, I just I I'm I love the Reds and I this is what's killing me. I I hate this that 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 they're like this and I wish and I I always try to be optimistic, but unless Jeff, unless they do something, I I don't have any optimism. There, there's nothing that I can see out there to be optimistic about. I mean, we got the, the Bengals look like they're on the right track. We got the Bearcats about to play Notre Dame and win. Hopefully I got all this great stuff going. Then we got the Reds and two years ago, I'm like, dude, this could be awesome. We're all of our teams are going to win. We got Joe Burrow. We got the Reds spending money. You know, the Bearcats are coming up. I mean, and the Reds just kind of said, you know what? We're going to opt out. We're, we're not going <laughs> to, we're, we're not going to try. That's what it feels like. You know, I mean, no, no, you're not wrong. I mean, it, something that we will never ever get the actual answer of i'm sure yeah. as to why he did it but when you look back on dick williams leaving i think it's kind of obvious he yeah. saw the tea leaves that they were about to cut payroll and he's like i built this why are you asking me to tear it down if for no other reason then you just don't want to pay for it anymore so that's disheartening and then you talk about eric lee but also on top of eric lee you had kyle Bodie and you had uh, the hitting development coordinator, CJ Gilman, yes. both leaving on the same day yeah, and both citing creative differences, which is the most professional way possible of saying we don't want to work here anymore. <laughs> right. Like there's just something about it. And, and, and Travis Sawchick, the guy who wrote the book, the MVP machine, which is a great book. I've read most of it. I'm not a huge book reader, but when it's about baseball, I'll read it. And he wrote an amazing book that just details how Kyle Bodie and new age development people kind of created their own money ball, because that was the biggest area of need for most franchises was how to revamp development. And with Kyle Bodie being a central character of that, whenever he was announced as the Reds de development coordinator for pitching, which I think it was like senior development. I don't know. There's a whole bunch of titles. And, but whenever he was named for that, I'm like, Oh my gosh. And Travis Solchak even tweeted about this after it was announced that he was separating from the Reds. He said year over year, the Reds farm system, their pitchers have seen a 25% increase in strikeouts. 25% pretty sizable. Uh -huh. And then on the hitting side of things for CJ Gilman, Reds hitters had seen a comparable decrease in the number of times they were striking out whenever they came to the plate. So progress right. moving forward. Good things. Well, let's, let's just stop doing that. Let's uh, forget that. Yeah. We, we, we don't need progress. You know? We want to go in a different way. We don't like yeah. progress. We're going to yeah. go. We're going to do something I mean, else. That That's why this is so important because I know that most people look at the story and they kind of, their mind gets turned into a pretzel or they just don't understand the levity of it. It is huge. Yes. The fact that this organization has decided that they no longer want to go in the progressive direction that has shown success. Yeah. And one of the things, just look at the development of the pitchers that the Reds have had in the last five years. Mm -hmm. Like Jeff, I don't, this is one thing, even when the Reds, in the big red machine in, in the, 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 the 1990, we had a good one, but we never developed, we didn't develop our own pitchers. We have developed a lot of pitchers here from our own farm system. Farm system, and and I'm just kind of like, well, that's what you need to do in a quote unquote small market team. You have to develop pitching. What's the most part important thing in baseball? Pitching. So we're it's working. So why are we? I, I just why are we stopping? <laughs> 
I mean, I don't know. It's man. like where, where they said they were, they were going to reallocate this money in this offseason. They never reallocated anywhere. It, it, it no. just went in Chesley's pocket. And that's and that's another thing that I hope, like with these options that are coming up, like hopefully they budgeted for the team options. I mean, that's a whole bag of worms if that's not the case. But yeah. and hopefully the reallocation allocated money can get reallocated to Nick Castellanos or something like that. I don't know. But when I look at the fact that they have just decided that, oh yeah, because think about the guys that they've called up this year and think about the development that we've seen from Tyler Malley. Yeah, he needs to be a little bit more efficient with his pitches, but for the most part, he is a very talented dude and you can see a very high ceiling for him. Vladimir Gutierrez came up and pitched pretty well. He's not perfect. He's got room to work, but he pitched without him. Exactly. You're talking about Tony Santion out of the bullpen. Mm -hmm. He looks phenomenal. And then the uh, debut yesterday, it's only one debut. It's only one appearance. So it's not like we know anything about him yet. But Rivar San Martin looked pretty good yesterday. Those aren't things that you said about guys that the Reds called up between 2015 and 2019. Most of the time when they called guys up during that point, Tyler Malley was a part of that group. So obviously he's the exception, but for the most part, guys who got called up during that period of time, it was somebody didn't teach this guy how to throw strikes. (laughs) And that's what happened. That's an important thing to do. (laughs) Learn how to throw strikes. Kind of important. So I, I look at this and I'm just like, I, I don't understand where the creative, and, and I've heard, I, I've talked to some people and they've said, well, you know, he was very, uh, it turns out Kyle Bodie was very egotistical. I'm like, this professional sports, isn't everyone like, isn't that kind of a prerequisite? Like you kind of got to be <laughs> sure of yourself to be right. a professional athlete or a professional coach. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's what I would think, but uh, think so. whatever. Uh, Crown Apple <laughs> Kid wants to know who is this guy pitching tonight? <laughs> Riley O'Brien. Oh yeah, he sounds more like a pub owner than a pitcher. But bring up to the bar, boys. <laughs> yeah, give me a Guinness. But when I look at Riley O'Brien, I- I've seen some scouting reports that say he's got a nice fastball and a pretty decent curveball to boot that could develop into a plus pitch. Uh, they say that the one thing that he needs to work on, of course, is command. And that sounds more like a guy that's been called up between 2015, 2019 than who's been called up the last couple of years, but they think that he's ready. They got him from the Tampa Bay Rays for Cody Reed. And I, I mentioned it on today's podcast. Sometimes it feels like, you know, in your fantasy league, you got that one guy that you don't want to trade with because you feel like you're probably going to get gypped no matter what the trade is. Kind of feels like the Tampa Bay Rays might be that team. Oh yeah. Yeah. In Major League Baseball, so who knows? Maybe I don't know, but that, I'm I'm hopeful for his debut. Right. Now he's got a much harder task in a debut than San Martin had. San Martin got the Pirates; he gets the White Sox. White Sox, right? Tonight, yeah. tonight at eight ten. So I, I will I will be watching. I, look, I, I still been watching the Reds. People are like, hey, "Did you give up on them?" Like, no, I haven't given up on them. I'm just, oh. I, I can't. They're. Uh, I get like never this. give up. Just be frustrated. Yes, I'm so <laughs> frustrated with them because yeah. this year could have been so. It was fun. Don't get me wrong. It was fun. It could have been so much better. We could have made the playoffs. We could have. Hell, I think we could have won the division if they had gotten a freaking bullpen, you know, by All-Star. All-Star break, we're, we're what, four games out, I think? Four and a half, something like that? Yep. It, w- like, it wasn't that bad. And then you're talking about ha- holding on to a wild card spot as yeah. the month of August uh, right. turned and, to September. And- yeah, and we had the easiest schedule. We played the Pirates yeah. nine million times. We got the one we couldn't even beat the freaking pirates. And some people were, and, and then they, and then the, 
I, I don't have a problem with this. They they extended David Bell. I really don't. I, I don't. I mean, no. If they kept him, I'm fine with it. If they got rid of him, I kind of been like, well, who who else are you going to bring in? You know, that's kind of where I'm at right now. And I think David Bell has gotten a lot better. I think this year has been his best man, managerial yeah. year. I think he's done a hell of a job because he had a gaping hole <laughs> in his bullpen yes. for 90% of the season. So I think he's done a, a really good job. And people are like, well, you got to blame this collapse on David Bell. Like, okay, well, you're going to blame the the seven consecutive series they won last year at the end of the season to get into the playoffs. You're going to blame that on David Bell? So right. it, the Major League Baseball manager has a little bit to do with wins, losses, but not a ton. He's more of the culture of the team and stuff like that. I mean, yeah, it does make a difference, but not that big of a difference. It comes down a lot on the players here. And I, I'm just – what happened? <laughs> you know, yeah, how did we I, go from having the easiest route to the playoffs to basically not even being close to it? We're five and a half out. That's the hardest thing. Cause obviously people want to blame it on the manager whenever it's the entire team slumping at once. But at the end of the day, he fills out the lineup. He can't go out there and take the at-bats for the guys. I mean, there were a lot and we're talking about the Cubs pitching staff who is not good. In fact, mm-hmm. I saw, a statistic that was shared by a dude from Bleacher Report today talking about how in the month of September, they as a team have had a ERA of 6.6 or something like that throughout the entire month. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, well, that's unfortunate considering the Reds scored one run in four of the six games they played against them this month. What was their ERA versus the Reds? (laughs) It was, tell you what, that was God awful. But um, because when I, I watched the at-bats that guys were having, I'm talking about guys in the middle of the order. I'm not just talking about the dudes who were filling in for injuries to Jesse Winker and things like that. I'm talking about at-bats from Joey, at-bats from Nick Castellanos, at-bats from Jonathan India, where they were going up with a very aggressive mindset facing a pitcher that wasn't going to throw them a fastball if he, you know, if somebody had a gun to his head, he was still going to throw him a curveball right. or a changeup or something like that. So they were trying to pull it. They were trying to rope everything to the pool side and because of that there were so many cue shots weak grounders weak Mm pop-ups that you saw quick at bats i i forget who the pitcher was but it was a guy from detroit and i i like wrote it down they averaged like three and a half pitches per at bat against this guy and 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 he came into the game with like a six era i'm like what are you doing and that's the thing that they've done all they haven't done that all year. I mean, they've right. worked the counts a lot this year. And it's like it just all just crashed. I'll say I was like like it, it's been a streaky team. I mean, let's be honest. I mean, we started out not so hot then we then we went on we we went had what two nine game winning streaks I think this year. So it's yeah. it's been a streaky team but the but the offense has always come back. And that's been the biggest I mean, the offense is what has led us to as many wins as, as we've had. If we'd had this offense, no. we probably wouldn't have won as many because there's ah, multiple games we had to come back because the bullpen blew it. But And it just all of a sudden, the offense just went kaput. And that that's the, to me, that's the biggest problem that happened. And to, to go to your point there, it, were they just being too aggressive or not well, the, the the mindset, the, the batting, did they change their batting approach? or, or what, I don't understand how you go from being very selective to being out in three pitches. That's a good question. And I I think at some point they all understood that it was like they were having a group slump and not just, you know, a couple of guys. And then a couple of guys are picking them up. I think the other problem was to the roster build. We, We talked a lot 
about how the bullpen was always a problem and it was a problem from opening day. And honestly, they they've looked all right in the month of September for, but pretty much from April through August, yeah, the bullpen was an issue mm-hmm. because it was built that way. I think the problem was there was no depth on this roster. That's why you saw the weird move because I believe it was in the middle of August when they made the move for Delino to Shields. Mm-hmm. And it was like announcement. The Reds have made a trade. And you're like, whoa, how'd they make a trade after the trade deadline? Then you <laughs> right. found out there's this weird loophole that if the guy's not on a 40 man roster, you can trade for him. Right. And so the Reds felt so well. They, they loved their own team depth so mm-hmm. well. Mm-hmm. that they went and they traded for a guy that wasn't even on the 40-man roster for the team that he was on. The, right. the Red Sox didn't play Delino to Shields at all this season. And the Reds were like, we got to go get this guy and immediately put him on our major league team. Like, who <laughs> told you that? Like, don't get me wrong. Like, he's he's shown some talent, but at the same time, like, I look at this and I'm like, why on earth was this plan a or plan B? Like there was no like, TJ Friedel. He's looked pretty good. Why didn't we call him up earlier? Alejo Lopez has gotten that, that's, virtually no yeah. chances. Like what, what, what happened to him? Yeah. Why, why didn't they right. give him a shot? That, that's, that's one that, that, that boggles my mind. Cause he was killing the ball in triple a and he played pretty good. The cup of coffee he got up here and we went and got as Drew Cabrera, yeah. um, which I, I liked at the time. I'll, yeah. I'll take, I'll take that arrow. Has he got a hit yet? Yeah. <laughs> he did get two the other day. That was nice. all right. <laughs> he had a multi. Um, let me see. Was that? I can't remember if that was Sunday or Monday. But um, no, it was Sunday. Yeah, it was Sunday. He got the multi-hit game. And it was just like, boy, up until then, you kind of felt for the guy. Here's the thing. About as Jubal Cabrera, whenever they got him, I liked it for the simple fact that he's a grizzled vet. He's played multiple positions throughout his entire career. It's not like he just learned how to play multiple different things. He's moved around the diamond his entire career. He's a switch hitter, and he had good stats against left-handed pitching. So that's what they went for in this dude. And then for some reason, he came here, and he just couldn't hit. Anyway, it doesn't matter who they put up on the mound. He just wasn't hitting. And I I think that that kind of messed everything up there for him and his tenure as a red. But I, I agree. Like whenever you saw he got to the point where he was over 10, over 12, over 15, it's like we're really going to still run him out there and see if he can figure it out. Like yeah. this isn't the figure it out portion of the season. This is yeah. the, we know who we got and we got to play that guy. Well, that, that's where Mike Alejo Lopez bring, yeah. why didn't they bring him? Cause I mean, honestly, the way our third base position has been, it hasn't been good. I mean, put him out there. Let let the kids see what he could could do. Well, especially now, it doesn't matter. <laughs> but I mean, yeah. I, I mean, I don't. That's what I don't. I just some of the stuff I don't get. But I, I got to. This is a this comment cracks me up. I got to put this up. Rob says having a romant, romantic nice dinner, but my girls are in the bathroom just checking in. So I'm so amped for Thursday. Now that's a viewer right there. I got to give him credit of, for that. <laughs> a lot of details there on that one, Rob. Good, exactly. good, good job. All right, Jeff Holmes got a couple of them here. I, I want to get, get to all three of these here. He said, are the Reds still financially in disarray? If so, will they ever get this figured out? The most unfortunate point about this question is the Reds don't make that stuff public. And it's not as if they have to. I don't know. I felt like there was a couple of baseball teams that do, but I forget who they are. It would help but at least so we could find out if they're actually being serious or just making right. it up, don't want to spend any money. 
And to say that a team is in financial disarray, I think the the reason that they came out and said that their finances are a train wreck early on in the season is because the forecasted profit that they had for 2020 in the month of January was completely destroyed by the pandemic. Well, that's across the board. I'm like, that's just, to me, that's right. just an excuse. Every Major League Baseball team had to deal with that. That, to me, you, that doesn't count. I, everybody had to deal with it. Exactly. And let's not forget that's profit. They mm-hmm. didn't, they didn't take a loss. They, they no. just made less money than they expected because right. they still make money off that TV deal. Mm-hmm. So they're still having an influx of money coming in. It's just not as much as they were expecting because you don't have the gate revenue. And as much as we might hammer home, you know, well, gate revenue, ticket, ticket money, all this other stuff that is still a smaller piece of the pie than the television deal is Mm -hmm. the television deal is still huge. And that's why you see teams like the Dodgers and the Yankees and the Mets who can spend whatever they want on free agents or trades because their pie is so much larger because their television deal is so much larger than the Reds. The Reds still make money. Even if there's nobody at the ballpark, they just don't make it as much. And that is why they came out and they said, Oh, our finances are a train wreck, but I don't think it's something that we can look at and say, well, they're operating at a loss. I don't think that's a no. No, no. As far as I know, no major league baseball team op- is in the red. <laughs> as far as far even from the pandemic last year, or that's still going on. However you want to look at it. And right. Jeff has another thing here. He said, uh, "It's sad when you have a really good team, but you don't have the backing of ownership to help give that extra push for the playoff playoff run." Now, I this is what. And I like using Bob Castellini's own words. He said this when he bought the team. I'm bringing championship baseball back to Cincinnati. Still waiting for that to happen. He said this when he fired Dusty Baker. I'm just tired of losing. We're not going to lose anymore. What the hell's happened? <laughs> I mean, where did I thought you asking, where did that guy go? Where did that Bob Castellini go? What happened I to think, him? I think the problem is um I'm trying to remember. It's like it's like when you're a kid and you got your fingers behind your back and you got your fingers crossed. Not necessarily that he didn't mean the whole thing, but that he said a half truth. He said, I'm bringing championship baseball back to Cincinnati. And the in parentheses, the things that he didn't say was so long as it's within the budget, because that doesn't get anybody going. Nobody gets excited about hearing about budgets and things like that. But ever since then, that's all we ever hear from them. But that's the thing, Jeff, with them doing all the stuff that he did in, in the minor leagues to build that up, to bring these guys up, like like Jonathan India, right. like Luis uh, Castillo, Luis Castillo, to bring these guys up, it's worked. Right. Why the hell are they stopping? <laughs> that's where, I know you don't know, but that's just where I'm just, what, I don't. Ugh. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and that's where, because that news came out the Friday night of the Dodgers series that they actually won the Friday night game. And it was one of those, it was like, we won. And I am so worried about the future of this team. <laughs> it's right, like, exactly. how did you take a win and make it a negative? But I, that, dude, that's I what happened. I felt the exact same way. I'm like, yeah, great. But are we, we're going to suck for another five years. That's, <laughs> that's, what, that's what it feels like. It, uh, it just, it feels like we're getting set up. And I really hope that's not the case because yeah, I think I that they too. can, they can blast that narrative to the stars. Oh. If they go out and they're aggressive this off season, I just, won't believe it till I see it. Yeah, and the thing is, they don't have to be that aggressive. I'm not talking about right. spending money like they did 2019. They don't have to, or 2020. Right. They don't have to do that. You just spend a little bit. This team is still good, even if you don't sign Nick Castellanos. But 
If you do, he's I freaking worth it. I would I would do it. Yes. But uh Crown wants to know will Tyler take over at first base since the uh, National League is gonna have the DH next year. That um that I'm not so sure. I, I know that uh, Joey probably will DH most of the year. I know that they will also play Jesse Winker there. Um which I think that you you can at least stomach the idea of Jesse Winker playing left field instead of Joey Votto playing first base most of the year. Uh, Joey still had some nice plays. He's also had some questionable plays, but he's had some nice plays this year. So I, I think that it's going to be more of a platoon scenario. It, I think David Bell will use the DH to his liking in that he can make multiple different lineups in multiple different ways and things like that. I, I think that you're not going to see a bona fide DH for the Reds next season, probably 2023. They will like officially be like, all right, Joey's DHing because we're not going to ask him to play first base in his final year of his contract. But I do like the idea of Tyler Stevenson playing first base because I think it's going to prolong his career. And I think the best part about his game is the bat is yeah. what he does in the batter's box. And most catchers don't last very long because they have to play mm -hmm. that position of catcher. It's so why it's my most respected position on the field, but I, I would like the idea if they could work in some sort of timeshare, probably not a 50 50, especially if Joey's playing this way, I don't want right. to keep him out of lineup for any amount of time. And as so long as he's a DH, that's not going to happen. But I do wonder if it's going to begin that way next year. Yeah. Cause, cause we all know Vada still bangs. Yes, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> now, but then again, though, if you're going to move Tyler to first base, to me, you have to sign Tucker Barnhart. Then, yeah, you know, I mean, if that is the plan, even if that's a future, because Tucker Barnhart, it's not like he's an old guy. I mean, right. he's won two Gold Gloves. Hell, he might win a third one this year. <laughs> the way he's the way he's played, he's got a good argument for sure. Yeah, so I mean, I the pitchers pitchers that loves throwing to him. I am all for signing Tucker Barnhart, and yeah, we can move Tyler Stevenson. Let him, you know, him and Vado battle it out or whatever. Not battle it out, but you know, let Tyler play more first base than catcher next year. Because I agree with what you said. Tyler, he's an okay catcher. I mean, he's gotten better. Tucker Barnhart is a Gold Glove catcher. Tuck, uh, Tyler Stevenson is a phenomenal hitter for a rookie, and and he could just get better. So if you can move him to first base, and then when Joey Votto does retire you have a first baseman sitting there waiting yep i i totally agree and i think that that would be a prudent decision um i know sometimes when we talk about the reds uh being prudent isn't always the first thing that comes to mind right. but i i think that that would definitely be something that they should consider is is how much they can work him in there and because i think that in the limited time that he's shown this year he probably needs some work on his stretch and pick at first, but for the most part, he can feel that position pretty well. Yeah, I mean, and, and I'm nothing against Joey Votto, but Joey Votto's not like a gold glove first baseman. He's been an adequate first baseman. So, I mean, not that Tyler has to be uh, uh, worse than, than Votto, but I think he can play the, the position as good as, as Votto did. Now, this is one, I, I think this is true, but the uh, is the CBA up this year? I'm pretty sure it is. And it is. This offseason is going to be very tumultuous. Uh, league wide because of that because mm -hmm. every time you hear something that you think is good it gets turned around by other people that know more than we do when it comes to these negotiations I, I've heard I, I say progress but when we're talking about progress we're talking about like you got three cheese conies and you ate like half of one 
So there's still two and a half cheese conies left before you're done with the meal. I, I don't necessarily know that they're even that close. I, I think this is going to be the tumultuous offseason, and most people who are close to the negotiations have been saying just if you hear the word lockout, don't be surprised. Yeah, and I, and I remember the 94 lockout. It was horrendous. Now, I have a question. Do you think with CBA being up, would that affect Nick Cassianos's decision at all? Because he could just opt in and then he doesn't have to worry about it. I think it's, there's probably, there will probably be some sort of provision. If not like language, like legal language with a CBA, uh, it'll be something that the Reds probably announce with him is like, Hey, we understand this is going to be a hairy situation. If after we agree upon a new CBA, then after that we can revisit this whole opt out idea then maybe so. I don't necessarily know that the CBA in and of itself is going to change Castellanos opting out or opting in. I, I think he's still going to. I think it's probably going to be something that he waits until there is official word that there's not going to be a lockout and that he could get a job somewhere else because that's the other part of this equation is I, I firmly believe he has played well enough to make at least $20 million, if not $22, 23000000 million a year. After this, and that's why he's going to opt out of this deal and make a lot more money. The other factor in this is the Reds are not the only team that's crying poor. Most other teams are. In fact, um, the reason that the Yankees even traded Justin Wilson and Luis Sessa to the Reds, literally two relievers for one player to be named later. And when they name the player, I still have forgotten the guy's name. So that tells you everything you yeah, that tells you everything you need to know about that. The reason that the Yankees did that deal was to get under the luxury tax threshold before they made their move for Joey Gallo. So right. even they are operating under some sort of budget constraint within whatever a budget for the New York Yankees right. looks like. I, I don't know what that looks I, like. I take their budget of the Reds any day. <laughs> yeah, it's still a lot better. I know that. But yeah, exactly. it's um, every team isn't necessarily running scared, but they are running ultra conservative with their finances because of the CBA. Yeah. It's going to be very, a very interesting off season. Cause I mean, honestly, I don't think any, nobody's going to make any kind of moves until they figure out what in the world's going on with the CBA. That's the first thing that that's got to happen. Right. So hopefully, like I said, I don't want, I hate though. I hear the word lockout. I just cringe because that, that 94 lockout was, was awful. I, I, I hated it. I have one more, one more question here real quick before I let you go about the Cassianos again. And one of my buddies at work brought this up. Do you? Th- and he wants to win, and he likes. Uh, I think he likes it here. I think he likes his teammates, and he's he's been uh, adopted by Cincinnati. But do you think the lack of fans showing up at games here? Because oh, let's be honest here, weekdays there hasn't been a lot of fans at at, at uh, GABP. Do you think that would affect him at all? You know, of, of wanting to come back here? Or? I don't. I don't think so. Um... I still think what's probably going to happen is after he opts out, there's probably going to be like a, a wink, wink, nod, nod situation where he gives the Reds first right of refusal. So whenever X team comes in and gives them 22 million for the next three years or something like that, I I, I don't even know that that's even going to be what the contract looks like, but something like that. Yeah, pretty close. <laughs> probably. Yeah. yeah. Then he's going to give the Reds the ability to match that and he can stay here. I still think that he is ultra comfortable here and the whole way that the entire fan base embraced his son doing the t-shirt and just the way that everybody has really accepted him. And there's still, regardless of how many 
fewer people there are in the stands, there's still plenty of people that are, you know, waving, yelling, and he's waving back. He's throwing baseballs back to him and stuff like that. So he's still cordial. It's not a, not a scenario where he looks as if he's just ready to get out of town. So I, I think that he's still of the mind that if the finances work out to how he likes it, he could come back here. Well, I hope you're right. Cause I've said this on the show and I said this all summer. I freaking love Nick Cassianos and uh, Samuel mm-hmm. here says sign Cassianos or we riot. <laughs> so, <laughs> I, I don't know if I go that far, but I, I I've kind of gotten to the point where I've accepted that he, he might most likely won't be here, but I'm still holding out hope that he will. Cause there's still a chance. You never know. <laughs> we'll see there. There's going to be some kind. And I know riot is a strong word, but there's definitely going to be some kind of like fan protest that goes oh, on. If the reds do in fact do nothing this off season, I dude, firmly I, believe well, that. the thing is, and there's no, there's no reds fest this year. Right. And if the reds don't do anything, they're going to have absolutely no momentum. Yeah. You know, to, to going into the season, I, I think they're I think they're going to do the caravans this year. I think I think they are, Hopefully. but I don't I don't That'd know that cool. for a fact. But I mean, I, that's still that's still not here in Cincinnati. That's elsewhere. Yeah, and and I agree. I mean, if they if they sit on their hands, they watch Castellanos walk, they watch Tucker Barnhart walk, they watch Wade Miley walk, they watch Michael Lorenzen walk, and we get to spring training next year, it's going to be literally the momentum that they have right now, which is negative. And it's just going to continue. And by the time they get back to string training next year, that's where we're going to be. Like we're going to be trying to talk reds and everybody's going to be like, who cares? And they're not going to be wrong for thinking that because I mean, I I know some friends that have had season tickets that are just like, as of right now, I'm not renewing my season tickets next year. That's where we are in this franchise because they have shown no willingness to do what it takes to win. Because they weren't even, this wasn't even a situation where they did nothing this past offseason. They willingly took a step back by yes. getting rid of their top two bullpen arms. On purpose and did nothing yeah. to replace them. Yeah. And, and I know that we've said that a lot this season. I'm sure people are tired of getting beat over the head with it, but that's but literally, <laughs> yeah, that's the truth. That's where they began this season. And then they tried to build up momentum and then it cratered. And now they've got to do something this offseason or else it's going to stay in that crater by the time pitchers and catchers report next year. I mean, you know what would be a huge – now, I'm not saying do this, but this would be a huge statement. If if, if the Reds do absolutely nothing this, this offseason and they roll into opening day and opening day is not sold out. <laughs> yeah. I, that If that happens, the Castellanis are in trouble. You you might not make any money. You might not – you might lose money. Because yeah. if they don't sell out opening day here in Cincinnati, which I'm not saying I, I think it's going to get sold out because it's like a national or a city holiday here, but that'd be a huge, huge thing that that's like, hey, this this is not what we want, <laughs> you know. It's one of those things you almost chalk it up to pageantry and nostalgia. The fact that opening day would be sold out. What would be interesting would see what is the difference between opening day and game two? Because if it's like, you know, 60, 70 percent drop off, like. That's well, when they really I mean, got to start looking year, at the mirror. I don't, I don't think I don't think opening night was was that was that well attended this year to be honest because yeah. I mean there was a lot of people who were excited about opening day and then it's kind of like okay because I mean yeah. I was that's kind of the way I was I'm like I this team surprised me you know as how well they did to be honest I I wasn't like yes we're gonna win like 2020 before pandemic and everything I'm like dude we're gonna be in this thing this is gonna be great and then 2019 and we didn't do anything. I'm kind of like, it's hard to get excited when right. you don't, you don't feel like your, your team is, is, is going to contend or, or the ownership did anything to help the players 
contend. <laughs> it's just it's hard to get behind it. It just is. And the thing about it is when we're heading into this offseason, kind of with our heads held down a little bit, to be honest with you, all they got to do is make a couple. If they if they oh. announce at the beginning of the offseason that Nick Cassianos is coming back next year, I'm people's <laughs> people are yeah. back up there. The, the enthusiasm's back up here because right now we think he's gone. Yeah, that one move will be huge. That would set yeah. the tone for the offseason. And like I said, you still don't have to do a ton of stuff. I mean, right. you know, I like to sign Tucker Barnhart, and, and yep. you got to do something with the bullpen, you know. And, and we're still having, we're still even talking about Nick Senzel. He's still a red, <laughs> you know. I mean, who knows if he's going to be a part of us next year or not. I don't know. But, I mean, that, that's another, uh, I think, a pretty talented guy, if he could ever stay healthy, that could be a contributor to the team hopefully someday. I think so too, man. I, I I think there are plenty of reasons to be excited about the future of the Reds. It's just there's this one big reason yeah. that is kind of hanging over like a dark cloud that yeah. we just gotta hope eventually the sun pokes through. And you see, if they saw, like I said, they signed Nick Cassianos, dude. This see this this city will go nuts. We'll we'll be we'll be all back in again. Anyway, Jeff, I appreciate you coming on. Tell everybody about your podcast and where they can follow you and all that stuff. Absolutely, Ice. Thanks for having me, dude. Uh, you can follow the podcast wherever you get your podcasts, including on YouTube as well, the Locked On Reds podcast. You can also follow me on Twitter at Jeff Carr with three Fs, and you can follow the show at Locked On Reds. As always, man, I appreciate it. I'll definitely have to get you on, hopefully during the off season when they're doing something and we could discuss. Hopefully. You know, who knows? Hopefully, do some trade rumors or something. I don't know. Hopefully. We'll see. All right, brother. Appreciate you as always, man. Take it easy. See you, dude. All right, guys. Well, that was a packed show. I usually don't have two guests on at one time, but it worked out that both of them could come on. So I hope you guys enjoyed that as much as I did. Now let's get to the YouTube or YouTube Facebook groups that let me live stream. And I, as always, appreciate every single one of them. We got Hootie Nation, Hootie Legion, Bearcat Ruckus, Cincinnati Reds, Riding Third, Heading for Home. Ohio State Bucknuts, the Ice Bar, and then you can follow me on all my social media platforms, all under Sports with Strawberry Ice. I'm on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok. Twitter handle is at Jeff A. Trenopole. TikTok is at Iceman90. I'll be pulling a sign-off later on tonight, putting on the podcast. It's on Bean Pod, Apple, iTunes, Spotify, pretty much wherever you get your podcast. YouTubers, like I said, we're at 1,374. I greatly appreciate all of you guys. Tell your friends, tell your neighbors about sports with strawberry ice. And if you guys missed it last night and you guys have missed Jeremy D, he was on the Cincinnati Sports Talk with our boy TC. So if you guys want to go check that out, he was on there last night. He will be coming back on the show. It's just whenever he stops working so much because <laughs> he TC went on at seven o'clock at night, um, 5 30 to 6. So He's he, that's why he was on there with TC. Go check out my boy Jeremy D and TC on Cincinnati Sports Talk, and you can get your Jeremy D fix. But as my boy Jeremy D always says, remember one thing and one thing only, and that is you don't live in Cleveland, you live in Cincinnati, so act like it. Who day? I cannot wait till Thursday. It's going to be a freaking blast. If you have not bought tickets, go buy tickets. You're going to want to be there. You're not going to want to miss this show. 
And that's just sports, baby. See ya! Black is right.